All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Welcome. Today we're kicking off this season of gratitude with an awesome podcast. I'm thankful to have both Amber and Emma, two amazing women who partnered together in a surrogacy journey on the show today. You know, we often hear questions from both intended parents and surrogates and their families about how the relationship between them works during a surrogacy journey. Amber and her husband partnered with Emma to be their surrogate. So this is a terrific story to tell and welcome both of you ladies today. And thank you for your willingness to share your story. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So Amber, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to partnering with a surrogate to help grow your family? Absolutely. So um, my husband and I, um, early on in our relationship, knew we wanted to add to our family and have children. He is you know, older than me. However, he had never been married and did not have children. And even though, you know, we have three older children from my first marriage that are wonderful, he definitely just had seen his life in having biological children. And at that point, I knew it was very unlikely I could ever carry again. I had three difficult pregnancies in my late 20s. At that point, I was 38. And so we had an open and frank conversation that, you know, at 38, let's start calling fertility doctors and see what we're dealing with here. Um, so we went down the IVF fertility round. I was quickly determined by our initial um, reproductive doctor that I could not carry, but let's at least, you know, harvest eggs, see what kind of healthy embryos and blastocysts we could create. Went through our initial doctor, secondary infertility, infertility at all. There's so much shame wrapped around it for females, I believe, and even, you know, for men, of course, or whatever type of relationship you may be going through. There's just so much responsibility that everything should just be smooth, and it is not that way. Um, So I went through three failed rounds. I was simply told, and my husband was simply told, he was fine, it was my issue, and that we would have to have an egg donor. We weren't emotionally there yet. So we went on and went to Colorado to get a second opinion. And he just said, you know, it's a lot of science, but it's also a little bit of luck. And I would bet on you too. Um, And I just knew things were going to be different, even though the road from there wasn't smooth. Uh, We went through three cycles with them. We were able to create three um, blastocysts that were chromosomal intact. And then we quickly started the process on interviewing a couple of different gestational carrier agencies. We met with conceivabilities um, and kind of just knew then. At that point, it was early COVID. And so uh, there's still definitely a weight to be matched. However, they were our agent, our medical providers said, you know, they worked with conceivabilities often and that they were very reputable and they were wonderful to work with. And so we felt like we went to the best medical facility. So if that's who they were saying would be a good option to look into. So we met with conceivabilities. We went through the whole process, signed contracts, and then um, went through the questionnaire form about a match. And at this point, you know, it was appointment after appointment emotionally. And my husband just still couldn't wrap his head around like how 
can we trust somebody to carry our child? Like, how do you get there? How do you emotionally get to that point? And um, the representative we matched with, she or we met with, she just simply said, it's all about the match. And when you meet her, you will know. <laughs> what what a, a path to get to this juncture that you're talking about, right? Just full of uh, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of trepidation, a whole lot of hope. You know, the, I love the alchemy that your doctor described to you. It's a lot of science and a little bit of luck. And of course, you know, getting to the point where you're really questioning who would do this and why. So, you know, you've met with conceivabilities, you've met with, with your matching expert, and now enter stage right, Emma. Why did you want to help somebody else, uh, particularly someone like Amber with her story? Why did you want to help her have a family? Absolutely. Um, so now that I'm brought to tears from you, Amber, hopefully I can get through this without crying. Um, but yeah, so I have three kids of my own. Um, I finished having my last child at 26 or 27. I cannot remember right now, but it was in that range. Um, and so that's pretty young. Um, and me and my husband knew that uh, three kids were going to be it for us. Um, and so I knew that I was healthy, that I had the opportunity to be generous with that health that I had um, to be able to bless another family. And so kind of what what was what was the the lynch point for me to start my journey in um in becoming a surrogate was a great friend of mine um and her and her husband tried for so long to get pregnant um, with a child of their own and they they would she would my friend would constantly come to me and tell me about her struggles and the journey of of trying to get pregnant and i just really felt for her um it really tugged at my heart every time we would talk um and one day a random thought just came to my mind what if i could carry her and her husband's child and then i thought that is a crazy idea <laughs> and i got out of the shower and i said to my husband i said what what do you think about me carrying, you know, our friend's baby? And he thought, that sounds crazy, but I trust you. So talk to them and, and see what they say. Um, and so casually, I brought it up to my friend um, and just said, hey, have you ever thought about surrogacy? I didn't mention me doing it for them, but I just wanted to put my feelers out there. And she said, you know, that's actually not in our plan. Like, I don't see that for us. And I said, okay. Um, and after that conversation, after she left my house, I felt kind of discouraged because I got really excited about that thought. And so I said, okay, well, what am I going to do with this now, this excitement, this, this feeling drawn to help another family in this way? And so I started doing some research online and I just did a simple Google search and conceivabilities popped up and I said, okay let me do some digging and, and see. And I was just reading um, testimonials about uh, gestational carriers and uh, the intended parents. And I was just so inspired. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And I reached out to my husband again and I said, hey, okay, it's not gonna be for this couple, but what do you think about for a stranger? And he was like, that's even crazier. <laughs> 
but he was like, I trust you. Um, and we'll, we'll go on this journey together. And after a while, he, um, he came around and he was totally on board with it. And it's just been an amazing journey. It was amazing to be able to be generous in that way, in a really, um, unconventional way. Um, and so that, that's really what led me to, uh, seek that out is just feeling, um, empathetic towards the struggle of those who need a little bit of extra help creating that family of their own. A lot of times folks have anxiety around finding the best partnership for them, right? Amber, tell me why you think the matching is so important in a surrogacy journey. That's where the magic happens. Um, emotionally, you're thinking about somebody else carrying your child. I thought the worst case scenario for us personally would be it feels like a business agreement, which I couldn't have fathomed, but I was like, that's the worst case. And can I handle that worst case? We could because we knew it was the process to bind our family. So Conceivabilities was amazing. Um, their matching team was incredible. When we filled our survey, met with our coordinator and talked about what things were important to us, you know, it's just such a variety of things and what things you maybe think are important, but really when somebody who's been through it and seen the lens from that side explains to you, it's really not, that's actually not that important. And these are the reasons, or at least consider this, you know, I've seen a lot of other people talk about like, well, I'd want somebody in my own state or down the street so I could see them all the time. Our priority was you know, at our ages and we had, you know, seven failed IVF process, you know, cycles and we knew we still had a road in front of us was how quickly could we get matched with a good candidate? And then, so what factors are important for us? Ge geography became something that was not important in this day and age, especially with a health crisis, everything's remote, FaceTime's available, you know, so that we took that off the table and initially it kind of seemed like, would you want somebody in the tri-state area that you could drive to? It just wasn't necessary. And without them kind of guiding us through that, we could have got hung up on some of those things that simply were not important. So we defined what was really important to us. And for us, it was our faith. We needed somebody to believe that they were in this because God had involvement. For us, that was just important because we, we, with all the ups and downs, we had a, the only way emotionally we were able to stay up is with our faith. So I had, we wanted somebody that had that similar tie. You know, what you think often is important going into it takes a back seat when you understand the reality and all the moving pieces and parts. And it's truly in partnership with um, experts that you begin to clarify what the priorities truly should be. So Emma, how about you? Uh, faith was a big, um, a big thing for us. I wanted somebody who believed that um, this is going to happen um, because of the doctors, because of science, because of all that, yes, but also that um, that God is going to have a hand in this. Um, and so when we met Amber and Dave, it was just that instant click of um, this is this is who it's supposed to be. Um, and so I'm very much a feeler. And so when we met them, it, it just felt, it felt right. How about timing in the process? You know, what we know from our market research is um, certainly the match is everything. It's, it's the top. Um, but some close seconds for surrogates, 
the time has to be right in her life. Yeah, yeah, so I was, um, I had just finished having my, um, my third child, and so he was about, I would say 11 months at the time when I started to uh, search more about becoming a surrogate. Um, and I was still breastfeeding, so it put a little bit of a delay in the process. But then when, when I finally was able to, to wean off my son, um, we were ready to go. And, and I felt settled. We felt ready. Um, it, was, it was good timing for us. Amber, you previously described that matching is where the magic happens. And for us at Conceivabilities, we actually have a name for it. We call Matching Matters. And it's a really diligent process for us internally to try and create the foundation for the best match possible. So, you know, you've both described how we brought you together. Amber, what did it feel like? I'm the feeler too, just like Emma. So if it's good, I'm ready. Let's go right now. My husband's very analytical and linear. And so I kind of thought that would be the process after we met with them, but it was definitely a feeling process for him too, because it was so obvious. It was two years ago, two weeks Two years ago, two weeks ago, I was sitting in the living room on our couch and my husband walked by and he goes, we got the email, there's a match. And I thought he was joking. And I get emotional thinking about that moment because just like when there's a negative trauma in your life, you remember what you were wearing, but you don't know what you ate yesterday. But when there's like a miracle in your life, you also have the same feeling of that moment. I opened up the email from Conceivabilities and read like, the information and saw their pictures and I already knew. I mean, we had quickly a meeting set up maybe a couple days later and there just really wasn't much of a post conversation besides like, yep, here we go. You know, it was so, it was so meant to be in that way. And again, about the match, like the team at Conceivabilities knows your, their, their customers on both sides well enough that, and they also, other important, they know them well enough to make a good match, but on other things that, again, we don't know as an intended parents, that experts in the field do know, that they are doing their best at conceivabilities to stop that extreme roller coaster of ups and downs during the process to build your family and try to get you to the place of a constant uphill instead of that fluctuation that still may happen but there that's why the match is important because they knew that the doctor that we had established has some of the highest criteria medically that they not only have to match us with somebody that emotionally we're going to connect with that we have the same must-haves on both of our lists but they also know they kind of have to give us a match that he will clear medically and that maybe there's another great gestational carrier but they have a couple little things in their history that some other provider would clear but not this doctor and from not having that other side of that information that roller coaster ride would have just been longer and so the second we were blessed with meeting um, I'm gonna say you know they say you know the partnership between Dave and I as intended parents and Emma but I also say the partnership between her husband Ricky because it really was that kind of partnership with all four of us or whoever that support person may be it was instant I mean I still 
have a hard time imagining not only not having our baby Cecilia in our family's life, but also not Ricky and Emma. That without this course, we wouldn't even have them in our life. It's just simply unimaginable. And that's all because of the match that Conceivabilities knows from their experience and, you know, that that's that important and that's what that can look like. Emma, how about you? Conceivabilities is just phenomenal at their matching process. Um, and I just think they did such a great job and they were so intentional with every little detail that when we met, it was, I don't even think that we said a whole bunch to each other. Like, I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but after we ended that meeting, me and my husband looked at each other and we were just like, that's it. Like, it was just no question. We really didn't have any issues or questions about Amber or Dave. It was just, it felt so right. Um, it felt like it was meant to be, like Amber said. Um, we got the email too that they had said yes. Um, and we were just thrilled. Um, I cannot think of any um, issues or questions or uh, any or apprehensions at all? It, any no. apprehensions you can think of? No. no. Even for my husband, who ha doesn't, you know, lead with emotions as much as I do, he just knew too. There was not one question. He didn't, they, conceivabilities was right. How do you trust somebody to carry your child? What a unique question until you meet that person. And that meeting answers all the questions without even as much verbiage as you think you'd need. Let's talk a little bit about um, communication and work uh, within the relationship because you both mentioned so far that it, it's a true partnership and the number one component in the, in the matching in the relationship in a surrogacy journey, it, it is trust. Um, but like any relationship, you might have some hiccups, you might have some issues that both of you will need to come together to resolve. So how did you communicate and work on your relationship within the surrogacy journey? I think from very early on in our relationship, we said we wanted to be open books. And so we just kept that line of communication really open. We would text very often um, and we would uh, FaceTime sometimes. Towards the end of our journey, we did come to a little tiny bit of a hang up, but it was quickly resolved because of all of that equity that we had had in our relationship uh, prior to that event. And so basically we were having a, a doctor's appointment, a normal checkup, um, and there was a little bit of miscommunication with um, me going to see that high risk doctor um, that same day. And I remember um, telling Amber that I wasn't planning on going to the high-risk doctor because my OBGYN said uh, we can do this specific test um, in her office. And Amber was like, actually, I really would like you to go to the high-risk doctor um, and just explained why. And, I, and immediately I was like, you know what, you're exactly right you know, this is your child. I want to make sure that you feel like you can trust 
safety, right? We were talking about trust to be able to take care of your child in the best way possible. And so we quickly switched things around. Our doctors were amazing. And I was able to have that test done at the high risk doctor. Um, and, and that was that. And so our communication was just really, really steady, solid. Um, I don't think anyone ever got offended about anything. And I just really appreciated how Amber uh, was never pressuring about anything. Um, and hopefully it was reciprocated with me that I, I was giving out enough information for her. What a great example of um, two-sided trust building. And that just kind of naturally evolved. And I personally, as an attendant mother, um, just try to put myself in Emma's shoes. She has three small children and she's pregnant. That's not a small feat. So if four days went by and I didn't hear anything, it just, I would quickly think, well, there's nothing to report because I trusted her. If there was, she'd let me know and I didn't need or expect a daily check-in. And then as things got busier, as appointments got busier, that communication just naturally built. And I agree with um, Emma's just that one example. That's all the example I'd have too. And again, I would use my own internal perspective. Emma's at her doctor's who she trusts very much. That doctor said to her, oh, you don't need to go to that second appointment. I'll save you time. I can do that appointment here. And that makes sense in that situation if I was in her shoes too. And then so I would take that in, but I was also not in her shoes and then would just share in that instance, it was important enough to me and my husband that she got that second opinion from that high-risk doctor based on our journey and just simply explained where we were coming from, the importance of that second opinion. And she, like she said, instantaneously was like, oh my goodness, yes, of course, I will get to that appointment. My doctor is clearing up the schedule and I'll be over there. And so again, it's just sharing where you're at, where you're feeling, but also for any intended parents, just taking a moment to breathe. It is such a taxing, stressful situation on your side, but just take that moment to understand that that other individual who is giving so much that they've they've got a lot going on too. And so just kind of reminding yourself of that, um, and, but it, it, it evolves, it naturally evolves with the right person, the right fit. If that trust, isn't there in that first interaction, you know, it's definitely worth a pause because it's so important throughout the whole journey. Emma's point about having enough equity built in the relationship. I mean, what a great way to phrase that, Emma. Knowing that there's enough trust built between both parties to have, um, you know, space to recognize what's happening in each other's lives and to take that into account before ever reacting to a situation or an event, right? That probably came um, to play a bigger role in the relationship with Amber when sadly you experienced a miscarriage in your journey together. How did you guys work through that in your partnership? Yeah, I was fully um, anticipating everything going smoothly. You know, just being somebody who has had three children of my own and just in pretty great health um, and we we were really, really careful with uh, following all the protocol with what the doctors were telling us to do and the transfer worked. Um, and when it did not work, I was devastated. I mean, I was crushed. I felt, um, 
I felt so bad for everybody um, because of all of the, you know, backstory on Amber and Dave's journey and just how hard we had worked to get to that point. Um, and so, yeah, moving forward and, and telling uh, Amber that unfortunately, you know, we had lost the baby was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. Um, and it was just a really difficult experience. Um, however, um, we were optimistic that, you know, we had two more embryos and we were going to, we were going to give it a go. And, you know, we had to take some time in between the transfers, obviously. Um, and I think that helped just everybody get back onto, you know, clear our minds a little bit and, and kind of go through that grieving process because it is. It is a, a time to to be upset and mourn what we had lost. Um, and to and so now we were ready to try again. Um, and I was optimistic. I know that they were. We were <laughs> what I think um, conceivability says cautiously um, optimistic. And that's what we, we both felt, I believe. And, um, but I was excited to, to try again. And, and thankfully, uh, we were able to, that second transfer was a success. Any individual or mother going through IVF knows the dark is dark. But oh man, when the sun comes up, it is so rewarding. And so that was one of our darkest moments. And to have a wonderful woman miscarrying your child during her daughter's birthday. Um, I remember in that moment thinking, oh, what I would do to take her pain away that she is taking on for us. So there was a lot of those emotions, like Emma had morning sickness and I'd be like, oh my gosh, she has morning sickness for us. She didn't have morning sickness for her three. But I was like, well, that's from me because I had horrible morning sickness. So during that miscarriage, I just remember thinking, even though we were so low and so scared and so devastated again, because it was such, it's such a journey. I just remember thinking, I wish she wouldn't have to take this on for us, but she did with such grace and dignity. Um, and we all kind of took a moment to breathe. There was no doubt for me that we would be going th forward and trying again. Um, like Emma said, we had two more. And of course, then if I'm, if I'm going to look into any research, it's like likelihood that it will be successful after one miscarriage. And you know, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's negative, but positive that you can look at. And I kind of felt like there's so many synthetic hormones. There's such a process that it's just maybe God's way of just like getting her body ready for this process in this unique way. And kind of that was my journey with IVF too. You know, I went through three to four failed rounds and then had success. So I just had to tell myself my body was just getting ready for the success. And hopefully that's where we were. And even though that was a devastating experience, there's a lot of people you can go through good times with. There's only certain type of people you can go through hard times with and, and end up on the other side in a better space. And so I just feel that with Ricky and Emma and my husband that those type of moments can only make you stronger and we were all ready to move forward. I know our listeners um, are, are just gonna be so amazed at this story and your willingness to share your bond, but they're also going to be equally as curious about how both of your respective children either participated or viewed the surrogacy journeys if your listeners could see me, they'd see me smi smiling. Um, we were just pretty straightforward with them. I mean, mom was hiding in a closet for a few months, giving herself shots during IVF because we didn't want to 
shared too much before we even knew what our path was. But once we were able to share, we just did it in such an honest way. Uh, we explained the good of mom not being able to carry this round, that I wouldn't be sick, that I wouldn't be in bed rest, that I wouldn't be in the hospital, um, and that this was our opportunity to kind of tie our family together and this was our our path. Um, so my oldest is 15 and then 14, two girls, and then my son who's 11. And so they just loved it. We even had like where they had a no school day and they watched one of the ultrasounds on FaceTime. All their friends knew, all their friends' parents knew. It just naturally involved. It wasn't all of a sudden a bombshell. Like they're old enough to to just understand it as it is. Um, I will also say I'm very thankful that my children were able to see a different journey to creating a family that I'm glad they have that wisdom of. Uh, it's just been such a miracle to see that evolve um, through the process and them being involved in the way they could through you know technology. Emma, your kids are just a little bit younger. So tell me how you approach them about your surrogacy journey. Yeah, so the only one who really understood what was going on was my nine-year-old daughter, Layla. She was very curious, inquisitive, um, and so we just gave her all the knowledge that I thought a eight or nine-year-old girl should know at the time, um, but it was very matter-of-fact for her. You know, I said, hey, Layla, we are going to be, or mommy's going to be carrying a baby. Um, it's not my baby, but it, uh, it's Amber and Dave's baby, and when the baby is born, it will, the baby will go to them, and she's like, okay, you know, she was completely fine with that. It's like her little brain understood um, without even having all of the details and knowledge. Um, so I was very thankful for that. My two youngers, so I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old boy. They were a little bit younger at the time, um, but they still, yeah, they didn't really understand what, what was going on. <laughs> However, Amber had gifted me a very nice book. Uh, my mom is a surrogate and I read it to them. And so hopefully that you know, gave them a little bit of knowledge. Um, and yeah, throughout the journey uh, on, for the doctor's visits, my daughter, I think she came to two and she actually helped FaceTime one of the ultrasounds between me and Amber. Uh, she held up the phone and, and put it up to the, you know, the picture. And she was just, you know, as happy as could be that she was helping in the process. And and oftentimes they'll talk about Cecilia and, and ask me if I'm ever going to have another baby. And so, you know, they get the gist of it. And it was just a really positive experience for them. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And so for our listeners, Cecilia is the beautiful girl that you carried for Amber. And so let's fast forward just a little bit to just before Cecilia's arrival into the world and talk about the birth plan. How did you guys create your birth plan? And did you have a lot of negotiations? And what did you ultimately decide on? And, and what did it look like? Absolutely. I do want to rewind just a tad to give Emma credit where credit is deserved because I've repeated this often to others when I explain our process and the kids being involved. Emma told me uh, when she was explaining to her daughter that she explained to her daughter that we all have gifts we can give others. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's volunteerism. But for mommy, I love being pregnant and that's one way I can give to, an, to others that can't. And so I can use that gift I have 
to give to others in that way and you will find your own gift how to give to others and I thought that was so beautiful and such an incredible way to show the generosity of surrogacy and the journey of the process of working with couples who for whatever reason they may not be able to do that it's just Emma using her gifts to give to others um, I just thought that was such a beautiful way to explain it that I've repeated numerous times so I just wanted to share that on Emma's behalf because um, just that that way of thinking is just so amazing that's how surrogates are I call them wired you know they're wired this way they're extraordinarily compassionate and giving and for them it really is a calling she was just beautiful and glowing through the whole process and I was just so grateful that that is her path and her abilities because it was not one of the gifts from God that God gave me but God also <laughs> set me on different paths of meeting Emma and my wonderful and family so so yeah, yes the birth yeah. plan again it's for us it was, for me anyway from my perspective it was kind of a natural process to talk about it again but I was, we, my husband and I were open. We were open to what they were open and comfortable to. Yes, if we were to directly be asked, do we want to be in labor delivery birth room? Absolutely. COVID restrictions aside, yes, that would be our prior preference. Would we want to be in the C-section room if that was the path in the surgical room? Yes, but what is Emma comfortable with? For us, it was at the end of the day, it is our child and it, but it is Emma's body. And so, yes, we would love to be a part of that. Um, however, what are you comfortable with? What is your husband comfortable with? And then when it got down kind of to the nickel and diming of it, where to stand in the room, how long do you want to be in the room? You know, we were open to that too. Obviously, we'll stand wherever you want. We're happy to be by your shoulder. Um, you know, how much comfort do you want? That was always to us what Emma wanted um, and so that was kind of the evolution of that conversation for us was yes our priority would want to be in the room but our main priority is what is Emma comfortable with to make her most comfortable during this process because the least amount of stress on her is actually what benefits us the best yeah same um, I wanted to give them as much um, involvement as possible. With COVID, we were a little bit unsure, but thankfully we were able to have both of them in the room. Um, I did want a little bit of privacy, I think, as, as most people do, or, or some people do, um, and they were really respectful of that, um, just being at the head of the bed, you know, when she was born. Um, but yeah, everything went, went really well in that, and we were able to just have that birth plan ready um, so quickly because like we had mentioned before, it was just, it was a match made in heaven. It was, it was exactly what we needed. And so it just came so seamless. Time and again, and Emma, this is going to be no surprise to you. Time and again, what surrogates say is that was the moment that made all of it worthwhile that <laughs> yeah i mean when i when she was born and um it was you know i had this job 
right, that I had to do. I felt like, okay, I'm bringing this baby into the world. It's for Amber and Dave. She's for Amber and Dave. Um, and so when she was born, I felt just this sense of accomplishment and relief. And seeing her in their arms, it just felt so right. It felt like, um, you know, God had given me that ability to to change their life. And it, yes, like you said, it was all worth it. Um, there was nothing in the journey that I would ever um, want to replace because it just led us to that really special moment. I mean, I'm brought to tears just thinking about it because you cannot describe how amazing it feels uh, in that moment when they're holding their baby for the first time. It's just something that's indescribable. You'll never understand um, unless you're in that position. Um, it, it was truly people ask me, you know, describe that experience for you. And I'm like, I cannot, <laughs> it was something so uh, unearthly that I cannot describe for you. It's just this incredible feeling of like, okay, this was meant to be, we did it. They have their family. Um, it just felt right. Yeah. I mean, how do you show that level of thankfulness and gratitude and uh, for somebody sacrificing from an intended parent's viewpoint. You know, I always say financially initiatives or not, it doesn't matter. That may change a moment, but it doesn't change a life. And what she did for us will change our life. I couldn't. And I remember telling Emma and Ricky this in front of my husband. I couldn't bring Cecilia into this world. I did what I could and I did everything I could. But without her, she wouldn't be here. And Emma's a miracle. Cecilia's a miracle. The whole process is. And so that moment as an intended mother with a wonderfully supportive husband, not only did all that up and down in the darkness go away, for me, the shame went away because there's so much shame with infertility for women. It just feels like that. It feels like something you can't do. And in that moment, it was all gone and the light came out and the sun came up and it all made sense of why the hardships happen because we needed to get here. And this was the way we had, we got, we not had to, we got to get there. And so it was beautiful. The whole process was beautiful. The birth plan when as it went, it got crazy. We were, you know, two flights away and, and, and we went several weeks early starting at an appointment that day. And we got there 90 minutes before she was born. I tried to bribe the Uber di driver to speed. He wouldn't do it. Um, and it all happened beautifully. And Emma and Ricky's process to kind of help the doctors hold off until we get, got there. It was just, it was just such a crazy day that really was seamless and so and even at the end um there was some moments of more s scary moments um she ended up having a umbilical cord knot which is actually actually extremely rare and can be fatal but that's kind of like that's not the reason she went came early but to me that's why she came early and so everything just felt like such a miracle and emma was such a trooper and Ricky uh, was amazing in the room. And then, you know, 
the next step was beautiful. Like just the time together um, was something I would never change. What a story. I'm, I'm here um, tearing up as well. I mean, I, I've been doing this for so long, but it's always moving and it's always miraculous. Um, you know, Amber, it's interesting because uh, not only do the surrogates make sacrifices to make these miracles happen, but it is a family affair. You mentioned Ricky a number of times. Uh, we know that Emma has small kids at home who need her. Well, you know, there's nothing that could truly repay a surrogate for generosity. You and Dave actually did something quite lovely um, and remarkable to celebrate Emma and Ricky and their young family and give them a gift in return, a Disney vacation. Is that right? But the end kind of like, what do you get your gestational carrier? Well, I mean, that's a big question because, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, you know, you're not giving the equivalent things as you're receiving, but that the thing I was going to get Emma, I didn't get it yet because we were several weeks early. And in the hospital, seeing Ricky and Emma and being part of that process, and then we were gift, gifted with being able to be around her children in the hospital. My husband just was like, we have to, we need, they all sacrificed and that was how we felt. We felt that the whole way, but then seeing the whole family. And the one moment that I'll never forget is after Cecilia was born and we were still in the hospital and Layla, her daughter was there. She grabbed her mom's hands and she said, yay, mom, now I can climb up on your belly and flip over again. And I remember thinking, I mean, Layla's sacrifice. She couldn't do her little, her flips with her mommy. You know, and so my husband was just like, we need to give them like a, a vacation or a cruise or something that everybody will feel a level of joy together because it's a gift for all of them because they also gave our whole family a gift, not just Dave and I. I love that story. Emma, have you guys taken your trip yet? No, not yet. Um, we're, it's scheduled for the end of January. Um, we are so, well, I'm so excited. My husband's so excited. Our kids don't know yet. We are going to surprise them on Christmas. Um, and we're really looking forward to that. But um, I just remember, yeah, being in the, um, the room after after Cecilia was born and Dave and Amber telling us about this gift, the cruise that they were giving us. And I was just shocked, you know, because it's such a generous gift um, and so intentional. Like Amber was saying, like we all um, had a part to play in it. Um, and just to be able to celebrate it in this way was just incredible. And so we were so thankful to them for that incredible gift. So those misconceptions out there, like it's a choice or you're paying for your baby, uh, that type of thing. And so just being able to share the actual reality of it, like I said, you know, from intended parents, that misconception that you're, you're pay, paying for it or something of that nature, it's simply not the truth. Like I said, yes, maybe in some cases there's financial um, support for that gestational carrier. I always say it maybe helped a year, but it doesn't help their life. You know, it's not at that level. And if you, even if it was, the sacrifice that made isn't, you know, isn't 
equal in that way financially versus the the caring of your child during those nine months because it's so unconventional um, <laughs> that people just don't know what they don't know and so a lot of times I would get the question probably the most uh, question I would get asked would be um, is this gonna be your baby no absolutely not and I would tell people if this were my baby, I wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> and so I would have to explain the whole process. It belongs to Amber and Dave. I'm just carrying the baby. Um, and then probably the secondary question that I would get asked most often would be, well, how are you going to give it away? And I just thought I would tell them and in my mind, I would be like, this is not my child. You know, it, it's, it's more like, and this is what I would try to explain to people. It's more like I'm babysitting Amber and Dave's child. And after nine months, I'm going to give her back to them. And that clicked with some people. Um, no matter how normalized surrogacy has become, there's still people that are very unfamiliar with the concepts and the science. So in, in parting, I want to wrap by asking you both something um, really important. I want you to share your perspective. And Emma, we'll begin with you. For intended parents and surrogates who might be considering their own surrogacy journey in the future, uh, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, for surrogates, I would say I'm a feeler. So I would recommend going with your, with your gut. If you feel like this is something that you genuinely want to do to make an impact on the world, to make an impact on a family, um, go with it. Like Amber so nicely said before about me explaining to my daughter about how we can be generous with um, so many different things. This is truly what I felt called to do and how I wanted to be generous with my health. Um, I don't believe that we were all put on this earth just to care about ourselves, um, to focus on ourselves and our, our immediate family. Um, we can do things that can impact the world and strangers even. Um, and so if you feel called to in any type of way to become a surrogate, I would say just do some more digging, do some research. It never hurts to just do some research. Um, and so with intended parents, um, I would say the matchmaking process, like we talked about before, um, is so important. So um, if you don't feel comfortable after you meet uh, a gestational carrier, to seek out other options because it really matters who you're matched with. Amber, what advice would you give for other intended parents or surrogates? The process before you even get to the gestational carrier portion is so daunting as intended parents to get to that half healthy embryo blastocyst stage that utilizing a competent agency such as conceivabilities to help navigate the next path, it just releases that load. It is so daunting, the next steps, the attorneys, all that. That didn't feel daunting for us because we had other people that were very well-versed in this, knowing the law, knowing pre-birth orders, all that kind of stuff that just adds to the stress of the process that that is huge. It was huge not to have another layer on. The other thing is if you know that this is your only means 
to bring a child, a biological child into your family and that's important, but you're scared because how could somebody else safely carry your own child? Make that call, make that next appointment because that journey is so beautiful, but there's no way to convince anybody that that's how it is until you've gone through it. And having that good match is the way that that makes that possible. But you rewind my life, my husband's life, two and a half years ago, it just seemed almost uncomprehendable that this journey could be so beautiful because it was so scary. So just trust the process, trust the next step, make that phone call, trust the match with a good agency like Conceivabilities. It is everything. Um, Emma wrote a beautiful letter to Cecilia um, after the birth. And one thing she said she put in there um, was, I will forever be grateful that my body got to be the vessel to carry you over. And if your goal in life is to have that child that you can't carry yourself, Conceivabilities found a match for us that was that beautiful vessel that we will forever be in gratitude and grateful for. Make sure that you're solid in your relationship that you have because it's a hard process. And my husband is amazing and was so supportive and that we are so blessed to have Emma and Ricky in our life because there's a little miracle upstairs that is the happiest baby that her siblings fight over her daily. Um, that is just, we wouldn't be here without them and we are so grateful for that. Thank you for sharing. Wow, what an amazing journey together. What an amazing relationship. I feel honored to have been a small part of that in bringing the two of you together. And it's a remarkable demonstration of the power of matching. So thank you both, Amber. Thank you, Emma, uh, for your time and your story today. I know our listeners will walk away with a greater understanding of surrogacy and the miracle that it provides. Thank you so much. Love you, Emma. Thanks for having us. Love you too, Amber. At Conceivabilities, we believe that everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for over 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Learn more by joining our Surrogacy Learning Center community at surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com.